0: Episode 2046 of No BS Job Search Advice Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Altman, The Big Game Hunter and welcome. I'm called The Big Game Hunter. It started off during my time during recruiting where I used to hunt down leaders and staff organizations and did it for more than 40 years And uh, I transitioned into coaching about five years ago and um, I continue with this podcast because the work that I do involves all elements of finding work. And today's show is the second in what's going to be three interviews I do. There's a third one going to come next week about changing careers. And my interview with Caroline Sinisa Levine is about changing careers during tough times which, Lord knows, this is the toughest I've lived through and I'm not exactly a puppy, you know. So, I hope you find this show helpful. I hope you give it a great review wherever you listen to the show and I also want to remind you that if you want to listen to the original episodes of No BS Job Search Advice Radio. There's a separate feed that I have that you can listen to on Apple Podcasts, but that's only about 300 of the shows. You can come over to anchor.fm and listen to what I call the original No BS Job Search Advice Radio there. Now, we'll be back in just one moment. Today's show is brought to you by AppJobs. AppJobs is a site that has freelance work, but it's not the typical web design, uh, web creation type of work or digital work. It's things like doing delivery, teaching, being a handy person, driving, cleaning, you know, blue collar kind of work that I know some of you do. Again, I'm going to have a link in the show notes to AppJobs.com and I hope you find it helpful. And now... Let's get going. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. So my guest today is Caroline Sinisa-Levine, the founder of the Dream Career Club and a career coach, writer, and media personality on job market issues. Let me try this again. (laughs) I'm going to take it from the top one more time. My guest today is Caroline Sinisa-Levine, the founder of the Dream Career Club and a career coach writer, and media personality on job market issues. She's a senior contributor to Forbes Careers and an adjunct at Columbia University. Caroline helps experienced professionals in tech, media, financial services, and other industries make a great living. We like hearing about making a great living doing work they love. Caroline, thank you so much. I really appreciate it.
1: Well, thanks for having me on the show
0: you're very welcome. And folks, this is take two. I messed up for some reason. The first time we did this, had a great interview, didn't record. So it's going to be an even better one. I promise you that. So let me just start off by asking the most blunt question. Here we are post-election. We uh, are dealing in the middle of COVID. Is this still a good time to change careers
1: yeah, I think actually counterintuitively, an uncertain market or a chaotic market uh, can be a great time to change careers. So, so first of all, you're more reflective typically when you have these difficult markets. And I think that brings a certain amount of motivation. So you start thinking about if not now, when? And that's, I think that's, that's good for you. You know, That gives you inspiration. Um, I think that you want it more. Um, because you you get reflective and that desire is actually a big competitive advantage, both to the employer in the sense that they want people who really want to be there, who are energetic and enthusiastic. And so if you have that desire, that's really attractive. And then I also think just practically speaking, when you have that desire, you're more likely to push through the, the grunt work, frankly. And then regarding the chaos of the market, and you might think, well, if I try something and it's really hard and it doesn't work out, well, everyone. Having a difficult time in this market, so I think it's actually a great time to experiment and to try different things. Because, you know, if you do something and it lasts a couple of weeks, you know, there's there's no real question mark there. Because I think everyone's doing things differently right now, and so you have, I think, at least a few months to do some experimentation.
0: I agree with you wholeheartedly. What I see is firms are still hiring. It's amazing to me that firms are still hiring, and. Uh, For those of you who are considering a career switch, it's a great time, in my view, because as Caroline said, you can be contemplative, you can think, you can sort things out and see who you know who can help you with this along the way. Now, let's just dive right into the process of helping people change careers. And where does someone start? How do they go about doing this?
1: Yeah, I think, again, if we if we think about that contemplative, that reflective nature and think about the, the importance of desire. So it really starts with figuring out, you know, what you're interested in. And I find that people do it in, in two ways. You know, there are some people who look at their background and their expertise and they say, where might this fit? I actually like to go the opposite direction, which is just simply, what am I interested in? And it doesn't matter whether or not I believe I have the background or the expertise, I'll figure that out depending on where my interests take me. And the reason why i like the second version better is because I think that people close them off too quickly. Uh, they close off options if they just look at what their backgrounds might be telling them because they might wanna do something completely different. And if you don't let yourself really follow your curiosities, you're not gonna find where they lead.
0: And folks, you can figure it out. It's not like there's a shortage of information in the world. You know, certainly at this time, there are tons of courses without having to spend you know, hundreds of thousand of dollars a year in order to develop deep expertise. Why not first just figure out what you're interested in and go with that? Even if it means I'm interested in sports, I want to work for a sports team. I'm picking an extreme example. Why not start exploring there?
1: Yeah, I think just, you know, really reading about things talking to people. Um, like you said, taking a course as opposed to going for a graduate degree. There are small ways that you can experiment and then you can decide, oh, you know, this wasn't as interesting as I thought now that I talk to people who actually work in the field or now that I've read more about the business as opposed to, you know, let's say just watching sports, right? So I would, I would really be looking at, you know, what is it like to work there as opposed to maybe consume your favorite product or, or play sports or watch sports like you mentioned.
0: You know, it's not enough to own the sweatshirt, (laughs) not enough to have the t shirt. I'm going to keep working on the sports analogy because I think for most people, you know, that's such an extreme fantasy that it's beyond possibility. And yet, I know a lot of people who love sports.
1: Yeah, but when you think about sports and, you know, just following that interest, you know, of course, there's playing sports and there are sports teams, there are sports leagues, there are sports venues, there's sports equipment. There are uh, training and, you know, just junior sports. So if you think about everything from peewee to little league to college sports, you know, all the way up. So there are a lot of ways to get involved with sports. And if you think about all of the jobs that are in other organizations, things like HR and marketing and legal and operations, those will exist, within teams and leagues and venues and equipment companies and clothing companies. So there are a lot of ways that you can get involved without being you know, a top tier athlete, for example.
0: Or a top tier coach or whatever. They all have um, other functions that support the core of the business. So we've been talking about doing some of the homework, the research, the reading, the talking to people. Dare I say, I'm going to bring up one of those terms, informational interviewing. Like, how would someone do an informational interview? How would they go about it?
1: Yeah. So I think that the best way is to try and get as much information as you can yourself before talking to people. The The thing about an informational interview is that it's both to get information, but it obviously is a reflection on you. So- you, it is a mini interview on the other direction too, because if it's someone who's working in that field, let's say sports, or, um, they can refer you to other people. They might have heard about opportunities and might be able to give you some leads. And they're not necessarily going to want to do that if you're a brand spanking new and haven't done any of your homework. So there are ways to follow um, professional associations related to your target field. To join up with professional meetups and lots of things are meeting virtually. Again, to read books and articles about the business that you're in and then start formulating what I call hypotheses. So don't just ask someone, you know, what's the best place to start? Have in your mind, okay, these are three ways that I feel like I could get started on this career path, does this make sense? And this way, you're not telling the person, I want you to do all the work and just give me everything. I've thought it through and let's work on this together.
0: Doing all the work part. And I hate that. You know, you figure it out for me and I'm going to sit back like mini royalty and go, no, I don't think so. What else you got in mind? Mm-hmm. No, I don't think so. Come on, folks, do some work on this.
1: Put in yeah. some effort. That's like the career coaching equivalent of feeding someone grapes, right? It's like, I'm just <laughs> going to sit here. And I'll take a grape for the top companies, a grape for the top roles. I mean, it's, you know, some things are obviously public information.
0: And it's not hard. So uh, we're starting to do informational interviews and gather some reconnaissance uh, and get a sense of some of the things a person might do as part of this exploration what happens next
1: <laughs> so you can see that we're, we're we're moving along the path of of uh, translating your interest into a specific role right so you have this interest in sports you start looking at the business of sports you have some ideas about career paths. you talk to people who are actually in and around the area and you confirm or you deny you know some of the information uh, that you, you see you'll have a better idea at this point about the nuances of the field that you're interested in and then you can start looking at your own background and saying okay Where do I fit in in terms of my existing expertise, my skills, my personal attributes, my experience? Where are there gaps potentially? Where might the other industries that I've been in, let's say you're coming from financial services, just to throw out something completely different from sports, where might uh, my skills and expertise and experience from that field translate nicely into sports? And that might actually be a competitive advantage.
0: And thus, you could work for an agent, for example. Yeah,
1: you could work for an agent. You could work uh, in-house and, and work in, let's say, statistics or business intelligence. Or it might even be you know something like marketing or HR because financial services is so competitive, uh, type A people. Um, and so you might say, okay, I've been in this environment where it's really... Competitive to to pull people from other companies into into our financial firm, and so I'm going to bring that to you know a competitive league or to a competitive team or whatever that is.
0: And I'll, I'll just use an example from a young man I work with not long ago. Uh, graduated college, would love to work for his favorite team, love to work for them, and. You know, the process became, okay, I know your parents, they don't want you doing this. They want me to help you do something else, but I don't want to ignore this. Let me help you with this process of finding out what it would take to work for your favorite team. So who do you know who might know someone who? And through a professor, he was able to get to, you know, he was a data science grad and he got to a person with another team who is able to talk him through from a data science perspective, what teams look for. Now, he's found the job. He's starting, I believe, in the next three weeks. And he can start doing some of the work on the side to approach what it is he wants to do. What do you dream of doing?
1: yeah no that makes absolute sense i mean i talked about how you might want to position let's say some of your other experience it's outside experience but it actually might be relevant you know i had a client in financial services and she had 20 years of experience in financial services so she was deep in the weeds there and and her entire background if you looked at her resume if you looked at her linkedin bank after bank after bank and so a very specific experience she actually wanted to break into education K through 12 education. And so obviously she researched the field, she talked to people, she highlighted things in her background that were relevant there. She was already volunteering in leadership and development roles with educational institutions. Um, But the one thing that she brought in, she was working uh, within a school system that really wanted to talk about ROI for return on investment, for you know, how much money they were spending per student or per school. And so when she interviewed, she really highlighted how her financial background was exactly the background that they were talking about. And in that way, she actually gave herself a competitive advantage, even though she wasn't from uh, the education industry, that was actually what they were looking for. And she was able to play the outsider status uh, to her advantage.
0: And I know I've with people who one of the advantages that they have is that they're bilingual or multilingual, and thus are able to position that into banking roles, financial services roles, where their background up until that point was working for government, like, how does that fit? And the answer was a customer orientation, The multilingual or bilingual uh, background and thus be able to transition the banking and financial services dealing with foreign customers.
1: Yeah, and clearly in that example, the bank, you know, services a bilingual or multilingual population, right? So if you're dealing with a bank where they are a hyper-local bank in the middle of the US where they don't need to anyone to know any other languages, then that particular employer, you know, you wouldn't be able to make the switch there. So it's really all about figuring out, you know, what does that new industry, that specific company within that industry, that specific role within that company, you know, what do they need? At the end of the day, employers are trying to solve a problem. And so it's less about, are you an insider or an outsider and more about, can you actually do this? Can you help me out with this? Because that's why I need to hire because I have this problem to solve.
0: And, and it begs the question of how can someone be an insider? How do they present themselves like an insider during their interviews? And I know I'm leaping forward in the process, assuming that someone's going to get an interview and many of you may not be at that point yet, but I heard that word insider. I want to leap in there on it and ask, how does someone interview like an insider when they get there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we were talking about identifying your interests, doing some research around those interests, talking to people that know about the nuances who are, who are insiders themselves, right? And then positioning your background, your resume, your LinkedIn, the way that you talk about yourself in a way that resonates with your new field. And so that's very similar then to what you would have to do in an interview situation. It's in all of that research and informational interviewing and repositioning of yourself, you have figured out what is it that this employer needs what's that pain point or what's that specific problem they're trying to solve uh, in the case of my financial services client you know, she really recognized talking to a number of folks that were active in the industry this was a real pain point for them being able to calculate that roi and being more bottom line oriented which was something counterculture at the time and so she was able to highlight things in her background During the interview process, again, that made her seem like I have this competitive advantage. I've already done this, even though she was an outsider when it came to education. She was an insider when it came to the problem they were trying to solve.
0: Right. And when fundamentally you think about it, folks, it's all about translating your background in a way that they get it.
1: Yeah, you're the one that has to make that translation. You can't say, here's a laundry list of my skills and my interests. You figure it out. I feel like we're talking about the uh, the feeding grapes, career coaching and hiring style. Um, you know, interviewing like an insider really comes down to, I feel like, you know, being the change, having embodied the change and not talking about the change. It's not about saying you know, trust me, I'll learn. It's about already having learned because you did that research. You did that networking. Um, You know, I liken it to to dating and to that icky ex-boyfriend or girlfriend who's trying to come back and is like, trust me, I'll change. Tell me what I'm supposed to do and I'll do it. And of course, what do we say? We say no, because if you really loved me, you would already know. And employers are like, if you really already wanted to be in sports or in education or, you know, whatever it is, you would already know what my pain points are, what the problems are that you need to solve and be specific about your contribution.
0: And that also involves your resume, folks. If you're submitting a resume in whatever manner you do it, and you're expecting to get a result from the submission or from the introduction that's going to be made, You got to translate it there so they get you because otherwise you're just another piece of spam (laughs) that's coming in. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I do feel like the resume for a career changer. I mean, that's probably the, the, the least helpful marketing tool just because it has your chronology. It has your, your past and you're, you're really trying to get them to look at you and see the future. So the resume is very much like that X, you know, it's like, trust me, I'll change. But it's like, I know you already. I know what you did before. And that's
0: what the resume does. I'm sorry for laughing. I've had those moments. It's been a long time, but I've had those times. I'll be different, I promise, um, getting off of that and yeah. into, how does someone get the interview? How do you think someone winds up being introduced or is it an introduction?
1: yeah i i mean yeah i think that was a freudian slip for a reason it is an introduction i mean i think just like i had said the the resume really is the the least helpful of the tools because it's such a backward-looking document it emphasizes things you've done in the past and the definition of a career change is that you're trying to do something you hadn't done um, it can be helpful if let's say you're keeping your role constant, just changing industry. So let's say that you are a statistician or you've already been working in big data um, in finance or in some other area and you're moving into sports, you at least have that big data to to translate over. Uh, You'll still be at a disadvantage to someone who is, big data in sports. So it highlights your differences rather than making someone want to talk to you. What makes people want to talk to you is seeing you out and about in the field is getting referred to you. And so that goes back to the informational interviewing, the networking, get people who are active in the field to know who you are because they're the ones who are getting recruited. And then they can say, well, this isn't for me, but I spoke to someone who's great and they're looking and hopefully that's you.
0: Amen. And, you know, I think of so many instances where people kind of sit back with the career coaching grapes uh, and not only that, they have no idea what comp levels are like for themselves in the new industry, in the new role. And they just think as someone I worked with some years ago who want to go from financial services to nonprofit. Hey, look, I'm doing a base of a quarter mil plus bonus. They should pay me a quarter mil. Even though I've never worked in their industry and I'm taking three steps backwards. Right?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think you always have to look at compensation in the context of the actual market that you're going towards. It's a hyper local situation. so. You, know, you have to compare industry to industry, role to role, size of company, um, age of company. So established companies don't pay the same as startups. Big companies don't pay the same necessarily as small companies. A geography, of course, is very important. If I'm looking at a job in a major metro like New York City, I can't compare it to Topeka, Kansas, or, or some other smaller metro, or a small town. So you really do have to think about comparing apples to apples, but I would also say that uh, you know in your example with financial services and nonprofit when i had my client go from financial services to education for example she was going into a leadership role so she was able to preserve her director title so she didn't take as much of a hit in the base salary but of course the bonus disappeared and bonus is a big part of of banking a lot of your compensation is in bonus depending on what your role is there and her role was such that it was almost it was more than half of her compensation but she was ready for that she had been saving her but she was living off of her base salary so just being able to preserve the base salary was important to her and she was able to do that even moving into another industry so don't make so many assumptions about oh it's going to be more it's going to be less it should be the same look at the industry you're going to and the role and and compare apples to apples
0: Absolutely. And I always think in in a wonderful example that you gave along the way, you're doing your reconnaissance, you're doing your conversations, you're learning about the field and you can't expect the firm to suddenly break the bank to bring you on. At the point that you learn about compensation and you discover that it's going to be significantly less, I always encourage people pause for a second think about it don't rush in because you haven't worked it through because you know let's assume you're going to impress someone they're going to want to hire you and then you make the decision oh my god i can't do this you've wasted a lot of people's time and blown a lot of lead opportunities from people and affected them as well
1: yeah absolutely you know negotiation starts really when you start interviewing because you're setting the stage for you know what level you're going to come in, what scope of responsibility uh, you're able to do, what contribution you're able to make, and also what your expectations are. So you absolutely want to have done some research in advance so you're not wasting everybody's time.
0: Amen. Um, so we've spoken about research, informational interviews. We got into the point of interviewing uh, and interviewing like an insider, by taking information that you've accumulated over the course of the previous conversations, your own research and such, and then translating it in ways that make sense for the audience that you're going to be presenting it to. We've been talking about networking, introductions to get in the door to have these conversations, to have these interviews. And... To me, that's the, the, the great gift. Now, I always know that people will say to me, uh, uh, I don't really know anyone in this field, and uh, I, I don't know anyone. How do I even get an introduction? Excuse, excuse my bad Elmer Fudd imitation. But, um, you know, how does someone overcome that issue that so many people think they have?
1: Yeah, you know, I think that people say that because they look at their network as their immediate family and friends, people that they can think of from the top of their head. And that's not really who our network is. Our network is anybody who knows us, we might've lost touch with them, But uh, for someone who is 10, 20 plus years into their career, their network includes people that they went to school with potentially decades ago, people they've interned with, people in their first, second, third job, even if they might be in their 10th job at this point. And so we can't really rely on our memory or our calendar from the last 30, 60, 90 days. We have to be willing uh, to look line by line through our resume and our background, our LinkedIn profile, and really rekindle those connections. Um, drop in, say, hi. We don't know who people know. We don't know what people know. People have moved on. You might remember your kind of beer guzzling friend from college days. That person might've gone on to do something in sports or in education or in nonprofit or whatever it is that you, where you want to go. And so I think we have to be, more expansive about who our network is. And then finally, we have to be able to to want to meet more people because sometimes you don't know someone in the immediate company that you're targeting, and you have to be willing to send an unsolicited email or LinkedIn invite and and open up a conversation.
0: And the statistics are, I used to quote 70% of positions are filled as a result of networking. I keep hearing more often now it's 80 to 85% with almost with over 90% at the executive levels. So the idea becomes not just simply a network, but who your network knows, who you don't, know, which fills, in the case of the executive level positions, more than half of those. So it's an introduction from someone who you may know, who knows someone who you don't. Is that what you tend to
1: say? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that statistic sounds exactly right. Certainly at the executive levels because more is known about folks at that point. I mean, the idea would be that if someone truly has that um, expertise and that track record of positive experience that many people will know them. Uh, and they will be top of mind. Uh, but even at the the middle levels or even at the earlier levels with social media now, we're so much more connected. It's so much easier to know something about people. You really don't have an excuse, frankly, for not having some kind of personal brand. You certainly have one. You can Google yourself and see what comes up, probably your LinkedIn profile. But if you're good about nurturing your brand, it might be also your personal website, something that you've written Um, guest blog somewhere you don't have to be you know writing a book or starting your own blog or podcast
0: and i'll just point out folks at the senior levels that you know for years there was the old boys club you know people referred one another uh for opportunities and this is extended women obviously have their own networks not as powerful as the male networks generally Uh, and I, i hate saying that but men still control a lot of American business, particularly at the high levels. But the idea is to be located, to be found, rather than to chase after wherever you can. You know, yes, an introduction is great, and that's what networking is all about. But concurrently with that, since sending out your resume or posting it on a job board, the more senior you get, the less likely you get results. The idea is, what are you known for? What can you brand yourself for? What can you write about, get interviewed for podcasts for? And yes, you can solicit those interviews. Uh, What can people discover about you going online or off your LinkedIn profile that would make you attractive to them?
1: Yeah. So it's really about, I mean, take something like LinkedIn, of course, you've got a headline. So that's a short phrase or a series of words that describes yourself. So you can put your industry, uh, you can put your, your role there or several industries or several roles. If you have more of a generalist background, you've got the about section. So that's a summary. That's really a prose. That is your executive summary on a resume. That's your networking pitch, essentially. So that really primes the reader for what else they're going to see on your profile, which includes your experience, your education, and also your activity. So things like if you post an article, if you comment on someone else's article, so you can really curate your knowledge on a dynamic platform like LinkedIn.
0: The idea of uh, posting something that you're interested in that's relevant to the new career is one of the easiest ways to bring mindshare to you around something. Years ago, I went out with someone who was the old Merrill Lynch's first woman commodities broker. And the, the non-tech way of doing that is you'd spot an article, you'd make a copy of it, you'd send it to the person you want to connect with and say, thought this was interesting. And lo and behold for her, she opened up some huge accounts because she knew something about the person was able to drop something into their lap that would be interesting. Now it's a lot easier. Yeah,
1: we're connected these days. So there's really no excuse not to be able to find someone who you know, or who knows someone who can introduce you or three degrees out.
0: So true. Um, So we've, we've covered a lot so far (laughs) without question has been punchy and direct and to the point, what haven't we talked about yet that we should?
1: Well, I think, um, I think we can talk about some of the common mistakes that people make when they change careers. I mean, I think we, we kind of gave a good overview. So, so maybe this is a good way of wrapping up and, and I see really three issues uh, that are, specific to career changers, um, we talked about getting in the inside, right? Getting inside uh, with your networking, inside with your research, interviewing like an insider. And really that's about learning the new field and not waiting to learn, you know, not promising to learn. And so doing some work in advance so that you embody the change rather than just waiting for someone to hire you. And then you're going to make the change. That's, that's really what you need to do. So a common mistake is that you don't do enough and you're still kind of, hoping that you're going to get paid essentially uh, to learn. I would say that the second thing is then your language needs to, to show that you've made that change. So I would banish words like change. I would banish words like new, transition, and frankly, fast learner. You know, that just highlights the fact that you don't know something. So don't be highlighting the things you don't know. You want to highlight what you do know. And then I would say the final, you know, big mistake that career changers in particular seem to make is that when they when they highlight their knowledge, it's it's about maybe facts. You know, so oh, I went on your website, I saw this, and and it, it's all about kind of this superficial um, book knowledge, I'll call it. And it's really not about actions or about um proposals potentially, things that you could contribute, uh, your unique value proposition. And so I remind career changers to show. Don't tell. Don't just tell people that you can make an impact. Really show how you've made an impact in a similar way and How you would propose that you would do it there using their jargon, their specific issues in that industry, not your old industry. And that's really how you can get around that outsider versus insider situation.
0: So it's not show and tell.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's show, don't tell when it comes to job search.
0: And that that first example that you gave of a mistake is I can learn. um, It's the amateur's mistake.
1: Yeah, you know, it, it's a promise as opposed to a result. And it, I, get, I get back to that ex-boyfriend and girlfriend, right? It's that promise, the promises, promises. But, you know, your track record is, you know, maybe you haven't broken the promises, but your, your entire background is outside that career. And so in a way, it's a trail of broken promises because it's, it's all that stuff that's not relevant to where you want to go.
0: And that's when you make a promise, how do they know they'll keep it? Exactly. It's that simple. Caroline, this has been terrific. How can people find out more about you, the work you do, everything?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think the easiest way is if you just go to dreamcareerclub.com, that will get you right into my website and you can poke around there. Um, I coach uh, one-on-one in groups. I have an e-course. And so there are a lot of different ways um, that you can get to know me. I have a book uh, jump ship 10 steps to starting a new career. So I am all about career change. I could talk about it all day. And I really appreciate, you know, this, this conversation was so much fun.
0: So that's today's show. I hope you found it helpful. And if you did, here are a few more ways to get information and advice from me. First of all, visit my website, which is the big Go to the blog. There's a lot there to help you. In addition, if you need interview advice, I've created a course called The Ultimate Job Interview Framework, available as a video on udemy.com. That's U-D-E-M-Y.com or available as a paperback or for Kindle on Amazon, and will help you stand out in a great way on your interviews. Also, if you're interested in my coaching you, there's a button on the site that says schedule. Schedule time for a free discovery call or schedule yourself in for coaching. I will love to help you. I'm able to help with regard to interview preparation, leadership coaching, salary negotiation advice, making a good decision between different offers, anything related to improving yourself in the workplace if you have questions for me you can schedule 15 minutes with me at the biggamehunter.us forward slash live or an even less expensive way is at the biggamehunter.us forward slash video answers where you can leave a message for me and i'll respond with a three to five minute video please financially support the podcast by clicking the button below and pledging whatever you'd like. I really appreciate it. Finally, watch me on TV. Download the Job Search TV app for Fire TV, Fire Stick or Roku or Bingenetworks.tv for Apple TV and 90 plus smart TV platforms. I'll be back tomorrow with more. In the meantime, I hope you have a great day. Be great! <laughs>